This is The Brian Hayes Show on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Brian A. Show continues, TSN 1050 online, tsn1050.ca, also on the TSN Go app. Hoping to catch up with R.A. Dickey later in the hour. We'll get back into the Jays, Sox series, look back on the Jays, doing business on the Braves over the past two nights. Some news and notes out of Halifax as well as the Leafs are back in camp. A lot of people tweeting, texting about minivans as well. People have an opinion on whether or not it's cool to get a minivan. Dad bods are in at this point, so maybe minivans are too. Let's bring in longtime NFLer and the current host of the weekly podcast. You can find it online, Snakes Takes. Here is Jake Plummer. What's happening, Jake? Hey, not much. And uh, for those out there debating minivans, I got one and I love it. So don't sleep on the minivans. Man. Really? You're a minivan guy. <laughs> oh, I love it. You can put the kids in there, the dogs, and all kinds of stuff. You know, if you have a chance to roll on a road trip with your buddies, you can put good six of them comfortably in there. So it's good stuff, man. Okay. <laughs> Was that a difficult um, internal conversation to have with yourself, though? The idea of uh, really locking all. in on it? Not at all, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm solid enough in my manhood. I don't have to worry about uh, <laughs> driving the minivan, man. I know that I'm all right there. Out of boy, that's that's the perfect answer. Good stuff, man. Uh, with Jake Plummer, I'm looking back on that game last night. I still don't know what happened. Um, everyone's trying to place blame on on everyone on the Chiefs. Um, I don't know how many people are really hooking up the Broncos with praise. When you look at, at just what transpired last night, where are you pointing fingers? Uh, I, I tend to really avoid pointing fingers, really, and blaming, putting blame on one person. Yeah, Jamal Charles fumbles the ball, but it was a great play uh, by Marshall to pop it out of there. And, uh, you know, to winning Arrowhead, it's not easy. I, I've ne- I never won a game in my whole career in Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, Peyton's found a way to really. I think he maybe he's nine and one, or I don't know if he's ever lost there. So he's got something, some good mojo going. And you know, it's a team that stuck together and through a short week. And in Denver, uh, you know, the Broncos were taking a beating because they they won. It was strange. They beat the Ravens, yet there was still all this concern and. So for them to go into Arrowhead and, and pull out a victory, uh, what a great way for them to, to start season two and zero. Kansas City, you know they you, you got to run the ball, you got to make plays, you got to take care of it. It's basic, simple football, but uh, the ball bounced a good way for the Broncos and they got the victory. What did you make of Peyton Manning's game last night? You know, it started out shaky. Uh, I didn't see every single play of the game. I watched almost all the first half and caught highlights of the second of an appearance here in San Francisco. But I watched, uh, from what I saw on the highlights, I watched Peyton Manning display, you know, what we were used to seeing for years, an arm that puts the ball pinpoint accuracy right where receivers can catch it and continue running. I saw him make multiple throws in deep, you know, deep zones and coverages and putting them over the outstretched hands of receiver or linebackers right into the receiver's hands. If he can do that, and then they can work that, you know, run game, zone block scheme, and move, move him a little bit with the boot game, they're going to continue to just gel and become a more deadly offense. But he stepped it up. I mean, you can't doubt this guy. He's done it for so many years, and you know, anybody that doubts him, I think he's been able to prove them wrong for so many years. That I don't doubt the guy. He's an amazing performer. He gets out on there on the field and, and motivates his guys. And I think uh, with him and Coobs, it's a deadly combination. Yeah, see, I, I worry a little bit about his arm. I worry about his neck. I don't worry about his mind. 
Um, when yeah. he's when he's in the pocket, when he's doing his thing, um, he he can still be lethal, and he proved that last night. Um, Gary Kubiak is clearly trying to run a bit of a different offense. I thought they looked really solid last night when Peyton decided, all right, let's hurry this up. I'm out of the shotgun here, and I'm making the calls. When he went vintage Peyton, he could still make th- uh, make something happen. Uh, so I, I am curious to see how how far that goes. You mentioned Kubiak and the way he can kind of run an offense. I almost got that impression last night, Jake, that almost you know by the end of the second quarter and certainly times in the second half, Peyton basically said, "Gary, stop talking to me. I'll take it from here, man. I know what I'm doing." And quite frankly, I, I trust Manning and his intuition more than I do Kubiak, more than I do any coach. That's not a shot at Kubiak. I'm just pumping the tires of of Manning and, and the way he thinks as a quarterback. Well, that's a great point. I mean, we played them twice in Indy in the playoffs my first couple of years with the Broncos, and he was running that no-huddle quick stuff and out-coaching our coaches on the field. I mean, he was beating them, uh, getting into the right play. So, you know, the option for them to go into that mode where it's hurry up, put Peyton in the shotgun and, and get out the weapons that they have and let them run around, that's a great way, option to have. And I think both guys, I mean, Kubiak is a, is a really, really smart offensive coach, and Peyton is an amazing offensive mind and player and quarterback and eventually could coach if he wanted to. But, you know, they they have that now both ways to go. I mean, Kubiak's going to add his insight, and Peyton can say, hey, let's try this. And, I mean, the, with them working together, like I said, they, they you really can't stop them if, if they start getting that O-line gels, gels more and more each game and confidence builds and the way that defense can play. You know, they're a lethal team. With former NFL QB uh, Jake Plummer, you can find his podcast online, Snakes Takes. Um, the pass rush for both teams last night was was unreal. I mean, it was lethal at times. Uh, both both defensive lines were just absolutely terrorizing the O-line and were chasing the quarterbacks around. Peyton got hit a lot. Alex Smith got hit a lot. Uh, you've been in those situations. when the When the pass rush is moving like that, how do you make an adjustment? What can you do as a quarterback? Well, you got to trust your guys outside. Uh, you got and the guys up front. Obviously, you got to trust your linemen and know that they're going to do their best to give you, you know, maybe two seconds, hopefully a little bit more to get back playing foot. And hopefully, you got guys you can trust and go to. I think I, you know you saw the connection with Demarius Thomas happen late, where uh, Peyton hit him a few times on a big drive. And I mean, that's what you have to have as a quarterback in an offense uh, where defense has the ability to put pressure on you. You got to get the ball out of your hands quick, and that easier said than done because when that happens you've got to have your receivers also tighten up their procedure they got to get going they got to get to the top of the route give you that separation not too early or not late but right when you need it so it, it a lot of chemistry goes into that and that's something that you can't really prep for or, or get ready for in the preseason or even in fall camp it's got to happen when you're on the field and tr- you know big moments like last night and we saw guys step up so Tough to go against a pass rush, and I think you know the tough thing for Peyton is that if there's not an open guy down the field, we saw what happens. He takes the hits. He's not going to do anything shifting, making guys move and jet up there and get five yards on a run. I mean, he's going to get sacked if guys are covered down the field. So it's a tough thing for him, but I think that uh, counting on his guys to get open, that's going to be huge. Great stuff, man, as always. We'll do it again soon. Enjoy that minivan. Yeah, I will, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And uh, some of the Canadians up there can follow me at Snakes Takes on Twitter also. So you got check it, buddy. it out. I'll plug Snakes that for pub, you. Man. All right, man. Thank you. There he is, Take Jake care. the Snake Plumber. Find out uh, more of him online, like he said, at Snakes Takes. And the uh, weekly podcast is the Snakes Takes podcast uh, on iTunes and other 
podcast forums. Uh, we appreciate him taking time. And he's listen, he's on board. He loves his minivan. He's a minivan guy. And if Jake the Snake can pull it off, I suppose maybe I could too. That's an endorsement for minivan guy. You've got Jake Plummer on your side. I found it interesting, though, the way you know the broadcasters last night were reacting to Peyton Manning because Nance and Sims on CBS, uh, it's no different. I mean, everyone would do the same thing. Michaels and Collinsworth, Aikman and Buck, you know, all the main guys. If they're going to pump the tires of one player in the league, it's likely going to be Peyton Manning. He's the epitome of class. He's an all-time great. Of course, they're going to root for him. Uh, they're not going to take shots at him. I get that. I totally understand that. But it almost felt as if they were patronizing him to a certain extent when he threw a quality ball, when he threw a quality spiral. I picked up on that last night. Like when he threw that final pass or that final touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders, it was a bullet. It was well thrown. It was a beautiful spiral. But they slowed that down and played it three or four times from three or four different angles, and it was almost as if they were just in awe. Like, since when do we focus on Peyton Manning throwing a good football? I'll tell you when, when we don't expect it anymore. And I think that's where we're at right now. I thought he got lucky multiple times last night. The Chiefs probably should have intercepted him four or five times. They got him for one pick six early, but there were multiple balls where they were either underthrown or overthrown, and the Chiefs had the best opportunity to pick them off, and they didn't. I think the Chiefs threw that game away last night in many ways. But you have to give credit to Peyton and Denver. They win in their division. They're 19-1 and against the AFC West since Peyton showed up. That is a remarkable feat. They haven't lost on the road yet against a team in the AFC West since Peyton got there. But I think we'll see more of that almost patronizing cover, coverage from Peyton um, over the course of, of the season where... There's concern throughout the league, even if it's not being said, that his arm just is not going to hold up, that he can't throw the way he once could, and that he could have some really ugly weeks. And he threw some ugly ducks last night. He also threw some good balls. But when he throws a good one, really, we've reached a point where we're going to slow it down and focus on how quality of a spiral he threw? It's Peyton Manning. This isn't some plug third stringer for the Browns. It was a weird experience for me last night seeing that. And I don't think that's uh, the end of it. I think we'll see more of that as we go forward. Hoping to catch up with R.A. Dickey later in the hour. Back into the Jays, back into the Maple Leaf camp, back into your phone calls, emails, and tweets. This is The Brian Hayes Show. Hoping to catch up with R.A. Dickey later in the hour. Steph is getting roasted via text, Twitter, email. Steph is not a fan of, of minivans, and she put her stake in the ground. She said, it's never going to happen. I will never do that, and people are not happy with her. A lot of people given that minivan love. Maybe Jake the Snake Plumber sold me on the idea of just embracing it, dealing with it, cruising. As I said last week, coming back from um, up north, I was up north and came back, I think, on the holiday Monday. may have been on the Sunday night. And I actually got passed by a guy in a minivan. And I thought to myself at that point, A, what am I doing with myself? I mean, pick up the pace. But there was a part of me that kind of respected that. You know, even if you are driving a minivan, you can, you can knock that thing up to 125, 130. And he passed me. He left me in his dust. So who am I to say anything? Yesterday, I was kicking myself because I wanted to talk more about uh, Ronda Rousey. 
Uh, she was at a press conference a couple of days ago. And the audio isn't great. We've got it, but I don't think we'll play it. It's not the greatest audio. But she came out in defense of Nick Diaz. Uh, if you're not familiar with this story, Nick Diaz is a fighter in the UFC. He's had a lot of problems. You know, He's kind of a wild child guy. He doesn't love to promote fights. Remember he fought, I think he was supposed to fight GSP, and he was supposed to show up for some promotional tour, and he didn't even show up. I think they pulled him from the fight. I think that's the case. If my memory serves me correct, it may not be, but he was fined anyway. He's had some issues, but he tested positive for use uh, for the use of marijuana. And, and the Nevada, um, I guess, commission, fighting commission, Suspended him for five years, which is just ludicrous. I mean, it's just so stupid. It may be one of those deflate gate scenarios where they've been trying to get him for other things in the past, and now that they finally got him, they decided to really penalize him and really hammer home the idea that he can't get away with whatever he wants to get away with. But five years suspended from your craft for smoking weed is just so stupid and so short-sighted and really just unfair. And Ronda Rousey came out, and and she admitted that she's friends with Nick Diaz, so she pointed that out. She pointed her bias out. But she came out and said they they shouldn't even be tested for smoking weed. And she's absolutely right. But this is all about politics, as I've said many times in the past. Uh, Leagues, commissions, commissioners, they test for it and they suspend for it because it's still illegal and they feel like people still actually care You know, politicians might care because they feel like they have to. An older part of the, you know, of of society may still care because it wasn't a part of their world growing up or what have you. But I don't get the impression like the average person, the average middle-aged UFC fan or NHL fan or baseball fan, NBA fan, whatever it is, I don't think they care. I don't really think they care at all. They're not concerned about fighters smoking weed like, think about that. People, the, the commission down in Nevada believes that, that Joe Blow at home is really concerned about this. Or Dana White or whomever it might be. They're really concerned about that. The idea of a fighter smoking weed in the privacy of their home. But they're okay with these guys stepping inside of a cage and, and fighting um, to the point where you can get knocked out and then repeatedly hit in the head even after you've been KO'd. So we're cool with that idea, but the whole, you know, privacy and and the whole your own personal life, I I take big issues with that. It's bogus. And I I credit um, Ronda Rousey. I mean, she's becoming a revolutionary athlete on so many different levels. Uh, She's already the face of the UFC. I think she's the face of women's sports, really. I mean, when you think of female athletes around the world that, that have that kind of mainstream ability... Serena Williams comes to mind, maybe a couple of other tennis players, uh, maybe members of the U.S. national soccer team. But her voice, Ronda Rousey, it's mainstream now. People want to hear it. You know, people know that they can, they can talk about her and, and people know who she is. Uh, the general media, the mainstream media can report on her and they don't have to explain who she is or what she does. But as I said earlier, when we're talking about this Patrick Kane stuff and the fact that he's in camp and everyone has their own opinion as to what was the best scenario, I think in the end there really wasn't one. If he shows up, he's going to get chastised. The Blackhawks will get chastised. If he doesn't, you know, he'll take some heat and people will question the Blackhawks as to what they actually know and why they decided to do this. 
You know, I've been saying the past couple of days, I think it was in their best interest to probably keep him away, let the dust settle a little bit more if possible, you know, hold off for a couple of weeks, see if something is finalized, bide your time. But they decided not to do that. And again, as I've also been pointing out, there really isn't a perfect scenario. But the Patrick Kane stuff, it makes you feel uneasy, even though there hasn't been a charge. And he's innocent until proven guilty. He hasn't nothing's nothing's happened yet. It's always all it is is an accusation and investigation. So to have, you know, the belief that he's guilty is is completely wrong. To have the belief that the accuser is lying is completely wrong. We don't know. We don't have a clue right now. But in terms of him showing up and him being a part of the program and a part of the product, I do think what has become evident here is that the Blackhawks feel like they can survive with it. They can overcome this. People are still going to support them. People are still going to show up to the rink, buy jerseys. They're still going to make money. And I think we've learned that recently. We've learned that from the NFL and their popularity. The Ray Rice stuff, the Adrian Peterson stuff, everything Roger Goodell represents. No one really cares about what the athletes do with their personal lives. It doesn't really affect whether or not you're going to watch the game or be invested or gamble on it, or play fantasy sports. It doesn't. And I think the Blackhawks know that. I think the NFL knows that. So even if you feel uneasy, even if you feel as if they should maybe do something a little bit differently, in the end, it's really not going to change much in terms of the big picture and everything that, that these leagues are trying to achieve, which ultimately is, is make money. And they all do make money. They make a lot of it even when they step in it, even when they do stupid things, even when they spark their own fires and then stoke their own fires and make them even bigger and bigger and bigger, doesn't change anything. I want to get back into Marcus Stroman pitching at the Rogers Center tonight. I'm expecting 45,000 plus. I think that's a lock. How does he handle the emotions? I mean, after he did what he did at Yankee Stadium, is there any reason to doubt him right now? What are the uncertainties? And I've been saying this throughout the afternoon, watching that game last night and the series in Atlanta. I'm getting cocky. I mean, I'm almost bored with success already. How stupid is that? I think it's a reality, though. Take your phone calls, emails, and tweets on this. Hoping to catch up with R.A. Dickey as well at some point this hour. This is The Brian Hayes Show. All right, R.A. Dickey will join me here in just a moment. This is the Brian Hayes Show on TSN 1050, also on the TSN Go app. Don't forget, you can win your weight in wings. What you weigh is what you win. It's that simple. Be our next big winner by tweeting using the hashtag WinYourWeightInWings and include at TSN 1050 Radio. We will draw from all of the entries and give one person their weight in wings, courtesy of Wild Wing. So use the hashtag WinYourWeightInWings And tweet that at TSN 1050 Radio for your chance to win your weight in wings, courtesy of Wild Wing. Jay's back in action tonight. Back home tonight for a homestand. The Red Sox in town, and then the Yankees are in town. They took two of three in Atlanta. Marcus Stroman on the mound tonight. Uh, You can bank on it. 45,000-plus will be there. They will be rocking tonight. And to chat about the recent success in the upcoming homestand, here is starting pitcher with the Blue Jays, R.A. Dickey, back on the Brian Hayes Show. How you doing, R.A.? I'm doing well, thank you. How fun is this to be around the clubhouse? Oh, it's it's what you always hoped it would be, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's great energy, good guys, you're winning. I mean, it's the total package right now. We still need to keep the gas pedal down, but it's nice. 
How much energy does the crowd supply you guys? Well, I, l- let me just give you a little bit of a, a glimpse. Like when we were in Atlanta, I think there probably was maybe 3,000 people in the stands. <laughs> and it was it was like playing a spring training game. It was really hard to get up. You know, we kind of lulled through the one game. You know, we kind of got fortunate there in the last game. Um, Marco pitched really, really well. But it just was dead, and there was no energy, and that kind of permeates into the dugouts. And, you know, you're already in the dog days of summer, so it can be kind of a letdown. Then you come back here, and there's going to be 45,000 people. It's going to be um, so much more fun and exciting, and, and guys are going to be so jazzed to get out there and play before the home crowd. It's going to be great. We know what's been going on with the Braves uh, all year. They've really struggled. But the Yankees, I mean, they're right behind you guys in that pennant race. Were you surprised by how small the crowds were at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, you know, it was. Um, especially, like, when they lost that first game of the doubleheader um, in that second game, it was barren. Uh, for a team that's in the pennant race, um, you know, I don't know if they've just been spoiled over the years or what, but um, it was surprising. And then I pitched that next game, and there were still empty seats up in the, the upper decks and in the middle decks. And so, you know, I don't know what that's all about, but I'm thankful that when we come back here, these guys are jazzed to see us play. With R.A. Dickey here on the Brian Hayes Show, um, you've got Boston in town this weekend, the Yankees in town on Monday. Uh, the fan base has been focused on the Yankee series for quite some time, dating back even to last weekend. Um, I've always looked at those games as, as being more meaningful, but I'm looking at it from a fan perspective. In the clubhouse, how do you guys separate the Yankees games from every other game, or do you do that at all? No, absolutely not. I mean, you, it, would be a, it would be a grave mistake to um, look past the Boston Red Sox, who have one of the best offenses in the American League in the second half of the season, especially they just got Pedroia back. Ortiz is rolling. I think um, Bogarts is batting like 370 since the All-Star break. This is a very good baseball team uh, now. They're a much different team than we faced them earlier in the year. And if we fall asleep on these guys and the expectation of a Yankee series, then that Yankee series um, might end up being more important than it needs to be, uh, if you get my draft. So Absolutely. We, we, are, we, are in a, we are in the mode of taking care of business one game at a time, and we have enough veteran guys in there to remind the younger guys that you know every game is singularly important. Um, and so we, uh, we're going to come prepared and ready to play. One of those younger guys is on the mound tonight, uh, Marcus Stroman making his home debut. Uh, this is a guy who blew his knee out like six months ago. I can't believe he's back. I can't believe he pitched the way he did last weekend. Uh, you know him. You've been his teammate now for a couple of years. How impressed have you been with his perseverance? Well, it's been, it's been uh, really a treat to watch a guy so young um, attack something with such ferocity. I mean, the... You know, most guys would go ahead and just take their time rehabbing, waiting for the next year um, to be ready. But um, he got with the right people. He worked his tail off. Uh, and, he, and it's no surprise to me, really, because of his makeup, his character, um, that he's back and performing at the level that he is. Now, I would still uh, temper the expectations as a fan and certainly as our teammates. We will embrace whatever he's able to, to give us out there. But it's a, it's a tall order for a guy to go without a spring training, without a season, step on the mound in the middle of the playoff race against the Yankees, against the Red Sox, um, and be expected to, to pitch seven shutout innings. Now, he may do that, but I think it's not fair. Um, and so hopefully we'll score a lot of runs and he'll be able to pitch much like he did last game 
uh, when we got a comfortable lead and he was able to kind of feel his way through the game. Must be incredible pitching for this offense, though, right? I mean, they're just absolutely crushing teams offensively. That happened the past couple of nights, and to your point, once he gave David Price and Estrada a lead, it felt like they got even more comfortable than, than they usually are. I mean, take us through that mentality. When you step out there on the third, fourth inning, you already feel okay, but your offense has supplied you with three, four, five runs of buffer zone. Yeah, you know what? The, the innings, that's a, and that's a good insight, but Brian, I think, I think what's really important that the average fan may not understand is that, you know, for us on a team like this that scores this many runs, and you know, kind of in the back of your mind that uh, it's it's an eventuality that we're going that we're going to put some some points on the board. Um, those first two or three innings become paramount because if you can get the team back in the dugout early in the game when the excitement of the game is just new, and, you know, you can get these guys in a rhythm. It's just a it's a waiting game. If you give up runs early, sometimes it can be tough um, because you're always kind of clawing out from behind a rock. And uh, the more times that we can go into an outing as starting pitchers and over the first three innings give these guys a, a chance to hit, I think the better off we're going to be. I think that's really, really important. With R.A. Dickey here on the Brian Hayes Show, uh, we know the way it works come playoff time, and I know we're not there yet, but at that point, if and when we get there, uh, Gibbons, Anthopoulos, and company are going to have to shorten up the rotation. Um, do you sense, is there a competition right now within the rotation? Uh, you know, there may be. Um, I, I certainly, I certainly don't feel that. Uh, I, you know, I think some of the older guys. You know, it, I made a comment earlier. You know, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. And I think that's what we are trying to be representative of as a staff. You know, that kind of mentality. If if your number's called, then you bring what you bring. If it's not, or if you're putting the bullpen like Drew was just putting the bullpen. Um, he's going to bring what he can bring when he's called upon to do his job. And that, that's a special makeup for a team. And you've got guys who are unselfish and just want to be a piece to the puzzle and not make it about them, then you can really do a lot of special things. And I, I'm hopeful that we'll continue to embrace that mentality. I think that we will. And I think that we've got, you know, four or five starters that are going to be ready to go regardless of whose name is called. You've been thrown to Josh Tolley recently, um, but the announcement came down also recently that you'll start throwing to Martin again, and we know once the uh, the end of the season comes and goes, uh, that's going to be the case anyway. You've thrown to Russell Martin in the past, so does it really change anything? Does it change the way you do business, considering who you're actually throwing to? No, not at all. I, you know, I think it's a wise thing to get him back out there. I think he was kind of beat up there at kind of the last part of the season. Um, he, he was nursing some injuries, and it was just another opportunity to give him a breather by getting Josh up here. But it wasn't like he couldn't catch me. That wasn't the reason that he um, was sitting out. He is very capable. In fact, he's one of the better guys that I've ever had back there catching that thing, and um, he does a fantastic job. So we shouldn't miss a beat. I've, I've thrown some fantastic – in fact, I, I think, you know, if you check the, the metrics, I think my ERA throwing to him is, is – I really, you know, for the being in an AL East, is a is a good is a good ERA. So we haven't missed a beat together, and he's he's a great athlete, and he's gonna he's gonna be fine. Enjoy the weekend and the stretch run. Always appreciate you taking time. Thank you, you R.A. Yeah, no worries. R.A. Dickey from the uh, Blue Jays, and I think that that speculation was out there. I think we knew that that Martin, you know, he'd been a little bit banged up there for a while, and he he seems to really be coming around. I mean, his bat's been getting hotter. Uh, we know what he can do behind the plate. We know how he can keep a run game in check. His arm is outstanding. Might be the best in the American League. 
and it was always inevitable once they got to the end of the season and certainly into the playoffs, um, Russell Martin is going to be the catcher. Josh, Josh Tolley's not going to be on this on this roster. Um, but like R.A. said, man, he's he loves throwing to him. He's always put up numbers, and he's put up quality numbers with Martin behind the plate. So uh, he's not expecting any sort of hiccups as they transition back into where they were early in the season. Interesting what he said about Stroman, too. You know, be a little bit careful. Yeah, he was, he, I mean, he was perfect through, what, four innings in his first outing? But he's in the big leagues, right? He's a young guy, and he's playing a team in Boston who can rope. So I don't know what the expectations are. I, I don't know what, you know, we should be walking into in, in, in terms of being fair to Marcus Stroman, considering everything he's gone through and, and the fact that, again, he's, I mean, this is Major League Baseball. He's not pitching in single A here. So I think that's an important message that it wouldn't surprise me if if almost every every player would say that. Gibbons would say the same thing. Wouldn't even surprise me if we heard that on the pregame tonight from from Gibbons. Hey, you know, like just relax. Let's see what he let's see what he brings. Let's see how he pitches, and we'll evaluate after the game, and we'll go from there, and we'll we'll continue to adjust the expectations when it comes to Marcus Stroman. Thanks again to uh, R.A. Dickey. You can find everything podcasted online, tsn1050.ca. Also check out every single hour of every show on iTunes. TSN Drive with Dave Naylor coming up at 4. We'll tee that up, get to our best bets brought to you by ProLine, and tee up the weekend in general. This is The Brian Hayes Show. TSN Drive with Dave Naylor up at 4. Steve Simmons riding shotgun throughout the afternoon. I'm going to stick around for about 30 minutes and not a minute longer. At 4.30, I'm out of here, man. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing Marcus Stroman at home tonight. The Red Sox, I mean, you can't sleep on them. We saw what they did to the Jays at Fenway last week. And then the Yankees are in town on Monday. So it should be a great, you know, six days here at baseball. The Leafs are back in camp. They're out in Halifax, somewhat out of sight, out of mind because they're out there. Maybe that was their plan anyway. Uh, But they kick off their preseason campaign on Monday night. We have the game for you right here on TSN 1050. So on Monday night and Tuesday night, they're playing. It's going to be Jays, Yankees, and the Maple Leafs are playing, I think, Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, Obviously, the preseason games will not get as much attention, but still, there's going to be a lot of people here that I think have to embrace the fact that, you know, it's a pretty good time to be a sports fan here in this city. So take advantage. Uh, Week two in the NFL. I'm wondering if it's a must-win for the Seattle Seahawks. When you look at the stats historically, teams that start 0-2, it's very difficult for them to crawl their way back into it. But this team feels like a very different team. You know, that's your average Team X that you would use on a you know some chart looking over 20 years. Seattle is not Team X. They've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. I feel like the Packers are going to win on Sunday night. I think it'll be a great game. I think Bills, Patriots, Packers, Seahawks, those are the two games of the weekend. Time now for our best bets brought to you by ProLine. Looking ahead to Sunday, uh, I'm taking Arizona minus 2.5 at the Bears. I don't like the Bears at all. I love Arizona. I mean, they're a very good team. They proved that last year. They proved it week one against New Orleans. I'll take Arizona minus 2.5. I'm taking the Chargers plus the points. I'll take them at plus 3.5 at Cincinnati. Both teams are good. San Diego, San Diego, I think, beat Cincinnati. I want to say in the playoffs last year at Cincinnati. The time zone, the change, it's not going to matter. I mean, they're used to this. Phillip Rivers, very good quarterback. I'll take the three and a half, San Diego over Cincinnati. And I'm going to take Marcus Mariota and the Titans to begin their season at 2-0. 
They are road favorites in Week 2. How bad does Cleveland have to be to have Tennessee be road favorites? Well, this bad, clearly. And Johnny Manziel is going to be the starting quarterback. And Manziel, I think it's the right move for the Browns. They're doing it anyway because McCowan, I think, is concussed. But you've got to throw him in there. McCowan, you know what he is. He's a backup quarterback. In the end, Manziel may not even be that. But give him a chance to prepare for a week or two, play for a week or two, not be concerned about his status you know, on the depth chart. Let him play. And, you know, it's almost like it was last weekend when it was Mariota versus Winston. It's the same thing this weekend. Mariota versus Johnny Menzel. But I will take the Titans minus two and a half in that game. Throw down 20 bucks on all three. If you score all three correctly, you can win $100. You can find my picks on Twitter at TSN1050Radio and get way into the game with ProLine. It's the sports betting game that lets you turn small wagers into big excitement. Before you wager, get the latest odds, event info, and matchup stats on your phone. ProLine Get way into the game. Marcus Stroman on the mound tonight. I'm liking the Jays taking two of three. Again, I'm getting cocky here. I'm very confident in these Blue Jays. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's not even like I'm messing around. There's no point in dealing with anything but confidence if you're a Blue Jays fan. This this team has continued to prove for a long time they're the real deal. They're incredibly talented. Stroman on the mound tonight. Yankees in town on Monday. So we're looking forward to that. We are out of here. TSN Drive with Dave Naylor is up next. Don't forget, find everything podcasted on iTunes and online, tsn1050.ca. Enjoy, Dave and the boys. Enjoy your weekends. We're back Monday at noon. We'll chat then. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Yeah.